Well, it's a fact of life that siblings squabble. Look at Liam and Noel or Kane and Dable. Well, we ain't got a bandana, don't wanna kill you. But we'll sit and chat and argue about cinema reviews. Who is right? Is it me or him? Well, you were always mother's favourite. Are you still singing that hymn? Prepare for a battering, it's time for the squabblings! Hello, and welcome back to Squabblings! As you can tell, we've got a particularly musical th- uh, theme to today's episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Thomas. That's spelt Thomas is spelt with the little O with the line for it today. Yeah, Thomas. <laughs> Thomas. 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 What are we talking about today? Well, today we're talking about Severa Special Eurovision. Oh, I love Eurovision. I quite like the Eurovision Song Contest. <laughs> yes, I am also a closeted fan of Eurovision. Nobody likes Eurovision, and everyone I- I've always spoken to recently is like, oh, it's so cheesy, it's so awful. And I think that comes from the fact that Britain just don't win Eurovision. <laughs> no, I mean, I-, I watch it every year, and I don't care who knows. I sit down, have a beer, and it's, like a few nachos. And... It's good old fun. I love Eurovision night. I mean, we can't lie. The quality of the music isn't great, because no. I feel... <laughs> Isn't it in the rules of Eurovision that you have to be an amateur? Or I think an you kind of have to be semi-professional. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and lots of other there's lots and lots of other rules to Eurovision that I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later. But Indeed. I I have always thought that Eurovision is kind of like the opposite of New Year's Eve. Right. It's the it's the summer get together for everyone. Yeah. Well, this this is the kind of thing like New New Year's Eve night. You start off with high expectations and you finish the night poorly because everywhere's overcrowded and drinks are expensive and like it's, it's a bit shit. Eurovision is the absolute opposite of that. You have very limited expectations for the evening, but it ends up being an absolute cracker of an evening. Yeah, I feel like it's always quite fun. Yeah, the, the expectations are always low and you're like, oh, actually, it's pretty good. <laughs> Especially if you've got some kind of drinking game going on whilst you're watching it and you're kind of semi-self-aware of just how awful it is. Mm. Well, the thing is, you can marvel at it for, I don't know, just how lame but not lame everything yes. is in it like i don't know what are some of the great things to come out of eurovision um epic sax guy epic sax guy Do you remember epic sax guy <laughs> and then he came back a couple of years yeah, ago he became, he became ultra sax guy. <laughs> ultra he sax guy he moved up in the rankings this isn't even my final form <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i am now gandalf the white <laughs> uh, do you remember the i think it was the moldovian milkmaids I think they were Russian, weren't they? Oh, was one, it Russian? One, one of the years was won by just a bunch of Russian nanas, like yes. babushkas. <laughs> and then it was a couple of years before that, one country just had porn set to music as their entry, and they just had all of these very sexy, sultry milkmaids, like churning butter on camera. <laughs> oh, well, that's fantastic. <laughs> There's, of course, as well, um, uh, Lordy. Hard. Rock, hallelujah! I, I haven't heard one. that one. Really? No. Oh my gosh! It's like it's it, whenever you have like a Eurovision playlist on on the go, it, that will kick in, and it's instantly so much louder and so tonally different to everything else that Eurovision's ever put out. Because everything right. Eurovision is like you know generic kind of Euro trash of recent. Yeah, Euro pop. But yeah. Lordy uh, absolutely swept it a couple of years ago with this like heavy metal absolute banger. Oh right, okay. It's <laughs> yeah. not very often the heavy metal ones win they always i always notice they put those front billing in the show because they're like we know they're not going to win yeah so we put them 
front billing so that people forget them, really. I, I, th- I think they were Swedish as well. I think it was the Swedes who who, who got it again. Um, somebody might have to tell us this. Uh, like, do email in and tell us. But what, what is, Swe- <coughs> is Sweden the country that has one Eurovision the most? Um, or is it somebody else? I don't know. I think it's... Um, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if Ireland, it was. actually. Oh, really? Sounds about <laughs> right, doesn't it? Should we get to it? Let's get to it. So, this is a new release from Netflix. Mm, so uh, Netflix original. Yes, and uh, th- at the moment, this seems to be where most of our new releases are coming from now because cinema doesn't exist anymore because of Miss Rona. Yeah, so, relying solely on the streaming platforms at the moment. Yeah, and I, this was meant to come out at the same time and in the same weekend or week that Eurovision should have been on. Mm, in May. Yeah, in May. And of course, um, Eurovision didn't go ahead because um, of uh, social distancing, etc. But I I wonder how much better it would have been received if it had been alongside Eurovision. Because to American audiences, and let's face it, the majority of what Netflix caters to is American audiences. True. uh, Americans don't really know what Eurovision is. I mean... it would sort of be. Would it be disingenuous to say they don't really know what it is, or are they just sort of fascinated by it? Well, I think that in in more recent years, the Americans have had a growing interest in Eurovision. I mean, and uh, and for the last two ish years, um, Australia have now been indoctrinated into the Eurovision know, yeah, Hall of Fame, despite not being European. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they just take the huff with it because they're like, "Hey, can we take part in this really massive song context?" No, it is for the Europeans. No. And they're just like, well, we're going to make our own. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to call it The Voice. Oh, no, wait. (laughs) You know what? They they could actually have a really good American state song competition, couldn't they? Yeah, that would be pretty interesting, actually. Because they have a lot of... They have a very diverse musical scene in America with lots of great musicians. Yeah, that is that is true, actually. Some some music exec out there, get on it. The, The United States... States and then I'll sue you because uh, <laughs> because it will be pu- pu- trademark. My idea will predate Thank it. Thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> so, Eurovision Song Contest colon the story of Fire Saga is a 2020 American musical comedy film directed by David Dobkins and written by Will Ferrell and Andrew Steele. The film follows Icelandic singers Lars Eriksson and Sigrid Eriksdottir, mm-hmm. played by um, Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams, as they are given the chance to represent their country at the Eurovision Song Contest. Mm. Yeah, the Icelandics. I think they, 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 they've re- pretty much tonally got Icelandic culture and <laughs> attitude in this as well. And I, I, I did appreciate them choosing Iceland as, as the... the the uh, team to follow because it's th- a very quintessential uh, Eurovision country, I yes. guess. That yes. sort, of, sort of for their size, will be overrepresented by by the song contest. It sort of gives those smaller nations a chance to chip yeah. in, really, doesn't it? Yeah, that's true. And I think if the temptation probably would have been to go for maybe Sweden or the UK, possibly. But no, I appreciated that they went with that kind of lesser known European country. Although I, I don't know, they could have been a little bit brave with this. I was thinking they 
they, they maybe should have gone very obscure European, maybe like Moldova or Latvia See, th- or something like that. I think there's a, a double sort of meaning to it. With with Iceland, I think Iceland has quite close links to America. So maybe they chose Iceland for that reason. It's quite obscure in in, in Europe, maybe, mm. if you think about them. Mm. They're, they're sort of on the fringe. But because of their history, a lot of... Um, I mean, considering I've, I've been reading a little bit about this and considering the type of English the Icelanders speak, it's closer to American English than it is to British oh, English. Oh, is it? Oh. Even though geographically they're, they're much closer to us. Um, I don't know. I think it primarily came down to the reasoning that the Icelandic accent just sounds funny. Well, it, it does. <laughs> but, but also, I don't know, maybe it was just one of those things Will Ferrell thought, I'll choose Iceland because they have had in the past, since World War II, a lot of close links with them in terms of um, yeah. naval bases there and well, stuff. I, I think you may be reading a bit too much into this. No, probably. It's probably just like we're going to pick a random Nordic a, country. But I, I think that Will Ferrell's wife is possibly Icelandic or, or she's maybe from one of the other Scandi countries and that's right. how he learned to Eurovision when they were back home visiting some some families it was just on and he was just like what what the hell is this and, yeah. and then that kind of started his love affair with <laughs> with Eurovision yeah with terrible Europop yeah uh, but yeah, it was it was kind of nice to see European culture represented like this because we do tend to get ignored. I mean, like we were talking about with Marvel last episode, everything major always takes place in New York. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's nice to have a um, a major film. Well, it's mostly in Edinburgh, isn't it? But the Icelandic sort of culture features heavily in it, I guess. And yes. I guess for the most part, it was represented fairly and kind of um, tastefully done. Tastefully most of the time, but then it did it did very heavily play into those like Icelandic stereotypes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, one of my notes that I put down was, is this sort of a double standard of racism? Um, <laughs> like to, for, for the Americans to make fun of the Icelanders, because what I've got on the list, inbreeding jokes, check. <laughs> making fun of Icelanders yes. for believing in elves, making fun of the patronymic naming system, and lazy jokes about Viking heritage. Although in the same breath, I do totally get what you're saying, but in the same breath of that, I did really laugh uh, when Will Ferrell's screaming across the lake and he goes, yeah, and then a bit of the iceberg falls into the water. Yeah, that's <laughs> funny. Or when they're like... There's a bit where he's like, oh, we're stuck in Husavik again. And, or, and then Rachel Adams is like, well, at least this is in the beautiful Husavik. And then the two whales this pop out and do a, little, yeah. do a little pirouette. And Will Ferrell's like, yeah, it's okay. It's okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I think for a film like like this, it wouldn't it would have been very hard not to play into some kind of racial country stereotypes a little bit. That's true. But, yeah. but then again... I don't know. The Americans always just seem to get out of everything by saying we're a, we're a nation of immigrants and, you know, I somewhere down the line have Icelandic blood so I can say it so or, I can or whatever. Do that. <laughs> it just sometimes seems a little bit of a weak excuse to me. But, mm. you know. So, should we start comparing some notes? Why not? <laughs> we will start by notes i had written down is clearly they didn't realize or they didn't clock that in order for this round of eurovision in the film to be set in edinburgh 
the UK would have had to have won the year before. Yeah, because they mention <laughs> in the film the winners from... Yes, they even mention it in the they film. They mention it that the winners host it the next year, don't they? Yeah, this year it should have been Israel, I think. Um, and, yeah, and go figure that, Israel, doing well, Eurovision. The year beforehand was won by the, the, the Israeli contestant who did like a, like a chicken impression... Um, and she had like chicken noises in her song. And she also oh. actually makes a brief appearance in this film, in in the little sing and dance number that's, right. that's in it somewhere. Yeah, so it should have been uh, um, Israel. And the year beforehand, it was in Portugal, mm. if memory serves. Yes, but yes, they even say that in, in, in the film. Yeah, like the, the previous winner hosts it the next year. So that means the UK must have won it, which would never happen. No, it never happens. I don't <laughs> know what happens. The UK obviously have a very 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 large standing on the world stage in terms of um their musical clout mm-hmm. in terms of the acts they put out and the fact that they hold the standard in terms of most pop music is performed in english because it's the biggest market yeah yeah it's the great irony isn't it yeah like they almost say uniformly that you probably won't win eurovision unless you sing it in english yeah and then the uk never wins it <laughs> no and over the years, the UK have consistently had some of the worst acts That's for true. Eurovision, haven't yeah, they? Yeah. I don't know whether it's just because like they don't wholeheartedly consider themselves continental in the same way the other countries yeah, do. Yeah, and more. And recent- that's why they haven't just put the effort into it. Yeah, and more recently as well, you know, the whole issue around Brexit and whatever else will certainly play a big issue in the country's voting. Mm. I mean, they always say Eurovision is non-biased and we don't take into account politics. Blah they totally blah blah. Do. They're fucking liars. They totally do. <laughs> Like you, you only need to watch the scoring system to you know, like you know, all the Eastern Bloc countries vote for each other. Ukraine gives its points to Russia. Yay! Yay! Who'd have seen that one coming? Georgia gives its points to Russia. Russia! Yay! And all the Scandi countries always have each other's back. And, yeah, they always yeah. all vote for and each then, other. Yeah, and uh, uh, it's yeah. So I, I think the last winner for the UK was Katrina and the Waves. No, never from heard of Walking them. on Sunshine fame. Oh, right. I don't think okay. she won with Walking on Sh- Sunshine. Possibly no, that's not, too good a song, isn't it? No, yeah, it's too good a song for Eurovision. Yeah. Oh, do you remember when Andrew Lloyd Webber kind of went on that crusade yeah. a, a couple of years ago? Yeah, this was hilarious. Yeah, he really tried hard and he had a, a whole reality TV show to find, you know, the voice like, for his... Britain's m- going to win Eurovision yeah, again and yeah, cement yeah. our place as the best musical country in the world again. And then it did it, terribly. It came like second last or something, I think. Yeah. <laughs> that seems to be Britain's spot consistently. I, I seem to remember with the comes second last yeah we we're, we always tend to land in the because there was ten. one there was one year where it was like we we're flying the flag all over oh, the world gotcha. terrible and then the year after that imperialism was, the song yeah. yeah and then the one the year after that it was like harry potter trying to be elton john i can't remember <laughs> what they were called but it was like a woman who looked like harry Engelbert potter Engelbert humperdinck there one year as well Oh, I don't know. But yeah, they, they obviously yeah. dragged him out of the coffin to like <laughs> to, to do it. That's what I mean. Does Britain not have any talent apart from Engelbert Engelbar fucking Humperdinck? Humperdinck? Yeah. And it is kind of like we, we don't really try, but we still love it. And I think we love it because we know that we're a little bit shit. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and it just kind of made me laugh to think that, that there was that ob- huge, obvious misstep of oh, this year it's in Edinburgh. So, but the UK must have won it for that to have happened. So, <clears throat> okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> let, let, let's just move over that. Yeah. Um. You know, talking about some of the comedy in this film because it is at heart a comedy film. Yeah. I I did find the comedy quite hit and miss in this. It it does make me laugh, but in the same way every other Will Ferrell film does. It's it's quite low key subtle comedy that's silly do you think yeah subtle not not maybe like subtle 
in a really clever sense, but it's low key and it's like you can take it or leave it if you choose to laugh or not. The note I've put down is the big question, is Will Ferrell funny? Was he ever funny? I mean, I've actually written pretty much the same thing. I said Will Ferrell is a little bit dull in, in mm. this, I think. I mean, having written this um, this movie, he's not the standout star in it. And I did think his Oh, I char- don't know. I, th- I think he is. I think his character... Because he always does a lot of like character acting type films mm. but I've, def- I've, I've kind of seen this will ferrell character before you know you know i would explain his thing is it's like he's trying to import a british style of comedy into america where instead of it being the the noble hero put in such funny situations it's rather um this guy is a loser and, yeah and he's a loser and we're making fun into. of we're making fun of him yeah rather than the situations he gets put into and and that is sort of a lot of Will Ferrell's characters. I mean, he had definitely funny moments. Yeah. Like when he's when he's saying, I'm going to have sex with you and I'm going to have sex with you. you. And okay, okay, fine, you're out, but and you. Leo? I, yeah, I, what's your name, Leo? I can't, <laughs> I can't see your badge from here, but you're going to get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, his, his, his character was fine, but I thought the, the strength of this film came from not from the other characters like um i think my absolute favorite for this one was dan stevens who played the russian the russian guy yeah lemtov yeah. yes uh, he's i think he was like the funniest thing in this film he, he was <laughs> remarkably funny although a lot of the laughs i got out of him were just sort of his attempts to be russian almost yeah <laughs> one of the things i put down about this film let me just find it is that see a lot of the accents that i know they are sort of distinguishable by country but it's almost like they're just trying to make it generic European accent type thing. Mm-hmm. Like um, that is sort of a subcategory of its own. If you're like an actor, like if you can't do a specific accent, you could probably just do sometimes European. get away with doing ge- what's called generic European. Yeah. And it, I guess it sort of has its place in this, but sometimes it felt a little bit like that. Oh, do you know who I did notice was constantly like slipping in and out of different accents in this? Is it Pierce Brosnan? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like sometimes hearing some of his lines. I was, th- I, I genuinely like had to stop and look up and think, is it? Did he just do Welsh? Mm, I, well, <laughs> some some of his, ca- I think some of the cadence thing for like Icelandic and Welsh. You mean where they kind of do this and yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, that yeah, is yeah, kind yeah. of similar. Um, sort of cadencing in the rhythm they speak but you're right sometimes it slipped out of the realm of icelandic didn't it really yeah i mean i was genuinely surprised to see pierce brosnan in this because i thought his career had died with mamma mia but uh well <laughs> he's still got shit going on i guess i mean my media thought was actually oh they've cast pierce brosnan in this oh god please don't make him don't sing make again him sing. don't make him <laughs> sing again please and i my mind immediately went there and i was like oh fuck 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 no 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 i can't do another pierce mm. brosnan singing number will ferrell i think has the tendency to cast himself in roles that he is sort of too young to play now um yes i, I no, did too know. old to play sorry yeah too old to play now yeah for instance i looked it up yesterday and Pierce Brosnan is 67, right? Mm-hmm. But Will Ferrell is 64. Or six- he's 64? No, no, sorry, he's 54. 54. So there's like 12 years difference between them. Was it really believable yeah. as a father and son? I know it's you sort of suspend that uh, dis- disbelief, disbelief for a film, but it sort of niggled it at was, me a little yeah, bit. It was, it was still slightly jarring to see them side by side and think, oh, really? Really? Are yeah, because really he's meant to be the son? sort of middle-aged guy who is getting on a bit but could still have a child and 
be around to to rear that child into his this, mid-twenties. You know what I mean? This would have been a perfect role for um, Jack Black. Yeah, but J- I don't think Jack Black's an, ac- an accent uh, actor, Na- really. I don't know. Did you see Nacho Libre? <laughs> um, I did. And you can't say Nacho Ma- Libre was one of, Nacho Libre was one of the, the better Jack Black films, can you? No. <laughs> no. But he's a good actor, actually. I, w- I would have thought, though, that he would have been a better age to play this character. Uh, I'm, and I'm thinking specifically of, you know, when he's in the, the Tenacious D movie. They're meant to be like a bunch of uh, middle-aged men who are kind of wasting their life they, pers- pursuing this God. goal I mean, of uh, They stardom. are. And Jack Black has got a killer voice. I admire Will Ferrell, actually, because it sounds like he sung his own bits in this. Mm. Rachel... Uh, Rachel McAdams didn't sing her own bits in this. I looked it up. It's no, um, I could tell that as well. Yeah, it's a it's a Swedish singer mm. who did her bits. Well, it, I think it, yeah, it would have had to have been because the Icelandic that she sung in was pretty perfect. Well, obviously, um, all, all of those languages they're derived from Old Norse. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they've branched off from each other far enough now that it might actually be quite hard for a Swede to sing in Icelandic. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Icelandic's um, its closest cousin is Faroese from the Faroe Islands. Oh, God. Yeah, so it's because they're an island nation, it's like a dead-end branch of the tree. Yeah, yeah, but they, I mean. they migrated out there and then they've kind of been in, like, isolation. Yeah. The language has yeah. been kind of in isolation yeah. since then. Oh, I see that. Yeah, they are pretty... Yeah, Icelandic is pretty much the ex- the same dialect that they were speaking when they were Vikings, aren't they, I think? Pretty, pretty much, yeah. Um, Which it's, is kind of cool. Closest, <laughs> it's definitely the closest one to Old Norse. Mm. Molly Sandon, uh, by the way, was the voice of um, Rachel McAdams. Uh, just you know. okay. Some of her songs are quite good. Wh- I was looking wh- at them. Which I kind of commend them for, because Disney especially have been doing this of recent years. They, have this, they seem to be making this point of making their cast members sing their own stuff, even if they're not the best singers. And they mm. never used to. Yeah. I'm thinking yeah, specifically silly, like it? The Rock. Like He was fine of a singer, but... What what would have hurt from them hiring some kind of voice to dub him? Double, yeah. yeah. But what I like about Will Ferrell, I like sort of that he did his own thing. Um, I mean, I respect that Rachel McAdams just handed it over to somebody else. That's also equally admirable. Mm. But Will Ferrell is kind of one of these do everything yourself, very creative types who is mm. multi talented. So I feel like I, I I was sort of able to tolerate it from him for that reason. Do you think, uh, did, did did Dan Stevens do his own singing as well? No. No, I, no, I, no. I, I, yeah, I was just thinking, I, I probably wouldn't have thought. I mean, we, we all heard Dan Stevens sing in Beauty and the Beast, didn't we? Ex- exactly, <laughs> yeah. Compare the two. The, yeah. yeah, the one on um, Eurovision is like, I don't know, a probably... Real like kind a, of bass vibrato. Mm, yeah, like a Russian it? baritone who's probably mm. built like a, a, a velvet house, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, on that note, on uh, back to Dan Stevens again. Like one of my one of my things that I was thinking, I wish they'd just gone a little bit further on. I really enjoyed seeing Dan Stevens as like you know the Russian arch- the Russian singer archetype. But what I wanted them to do is, is I, was, I was thinking like, oh, who's going to be the entry for Greece? Who's going to be the Italian entry? Who's going to be the French? Entry? Like mm. I wanted them to kind of differentiate some more characters like that and make them more unique and well rounded. Yeah, I feel like. It was a film that was a little bit simple, wasn't it? Even though it was almost two hours in length, I feel like mm. they could have explored a few more avenues of character. Yeah, I think they played it safe. I think they played it a little bit too safe, and that 
came across a little bit in the comedy for me and also yeah the, like those characters but a lot of kind of Will Ferrell comedies are like that where they don't overcomplicate it with too many characters yes that is true like um in the other guys it's literally like him and Mark Wahlberg and like about two others who are the main characters and then like it you know, like wedding crashes, which he produced. It's like there's about four of them or whatever. And yeah, that's the, yeah. It, it it did run the risk of making it a little bit too complicated, but I it, it got it, it excited me. Like one of the best film, one of the best scenes in the film is when they have that party at Lemtov's house, and then you see all the past people from Eurovision. They have that big kind of sing song. It actually kind of got me thinking. This film should have been a musical. Uh Sort of. Can you imagine how epic that would be? A Eurovision musical I <laughs> taking think, the piss out of itself. I think the creative ideas of Eurovision and musicals are sort of incompatible, though. Oh, really? Because Eurovision is sort of a very organised thing where you come on, you do your song, bang, it's it's done. It's not sort of like a, the sort of same free-flowing format, medium type thing that a musical is. So I, th- I feel I think, like they weren't with the right choice, really. I just... don't know. I think that could have been amazing. Like a whole piss take, a parody, a parody piss take musical about the Eurovision Song Contest would have been fucking brilliant. I mean, it showed how awesome that it could have been in, in that scene in in the party, and that that's like that was legitimately one of my favourite moments. The gripe, the gripe I have with the party scene, I, I, I sort of thought it was, I don't know, like 30% lame. I, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it, but the, the thing is, I, I sort of only enjoyed it for the, the Eurovision cameos of all the people that have won it in the past that were in it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you do get, if you're a big fan of Eurovision, you'll spot a good few winners in that scene. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. And yeah, that was a nice little nod to the fans. I mean, at its heart, really, this film is more of a love letter to Eurovision as opposed opposed to a piss take, I think. Yes, I think it's done from a place of uh, affection for Eurovision, isn't it, really? Yeah, but I think that's what made it a little bit, at the end of the day, a little bit boring and underfulfilled for me because... I, I wanted them to go that just that little step further, and you can still write a love letter to something and take the piss out of it. Mm, I don't really, think you know, like was... Hot Fuzz, for instance. Yeah, I don't think there was enough kind of tension in the script or the plot, really. Yeah, that that'd be my assessment. Yeah, I mean, what what they got right, they got perfect. Like they've completely got down to a T the tone of Eurovision. Yes. To perfectly. You know, like even in the little details, like that, like uh, the Squabbling's personal favourite on the Eurovision soundtrack, Volcano Man. Yeah, <laughs> that, that sort of breed of like really overproduced pop. Overproduced pop. And even like when uh, there's a line in it where she goes, a timeless hero must love to. Timeless hero must love to. Yeah, that like obvious bit of mistranslation that you do spot yeah. occasionally in the Eurovision songs is fucking brilliant. Oh yeah, yeah. Where like they're all translated into English, but obviously not like uh, not well enough translations yeah, yeah. and i'd like it's, uh, the excessive pyrotechnics and everybody's uh performances and the and dancers too much choreography yeah, yeah. and yeah. graham norton i was so happy to see graham norton in this see, <laughs> see i thought graham norton was a um a missed opportunity really because if you watch eurovision because i th- it m- partly it might just be because it's such a long job for a presenter to do mm. He's he's such a savage. He's hilarious, so but he's he's just an absolute savage well, with the commentary. Somebody told me this um, a couple of years ago when I watched Eurovision that um, people in other countries now start tuning into the BBC for their Eurovision commentary oh, really? just just for Graham Norton and that's, how funny he is. Yeah, that, that's funny actually. <laughs> yes, no, I had a friend from. Um, um, Romania who says that she always watches the BBC 
broadcast of Eurovision oh, because right. of Graham Norton. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? That was a wasted opportunity because he was sort of just saying some funny things, but obvious like one-liners that I didn't think were like his style. Yeah, again, it's, it's this thing that just seems to plague this movie. Like they, they used it a bit, but not enough. Yeah, it was a nice tip of the hat, I guess, to one of the uh, the, the the cool elements of Eurovision. But again, mm-hmm. funny, um, yes, <laughs> but like not like side splittingly funny. No, yeah, that's the, I think that's that's it. Like it's it's not. I don't think this film will rank up amongst the best of Will Ferrell's productions. You know what I mean? It's not. It's not an Anchorman. No, it's no. <laughs> it's not um, uh, Blades of Glory. No, yeah, thinking about them, a lot of his other titles have been far funnier. But giving that, you know, having said that, I'd still give this like a seven. It was still quite an enjoyable watch, to be honest. It's something that I would recommend to people going through Netflix. I mean, um, from a couple of episodes ago, I'd recommend this certainly over Space Force, I think. I wouldn't have gone to see it in a cinema. No. That's for sure. But um, like wasted the time to go and do that. But it was good for a sort of like night in. Yes. Yeah, it's it's good Netflix watching, isn't it? It's yeah, good, like, easy kind of, watching. Yeah, easy. Yes, that's exactly it, isn't it? Easy watching and easy comedy. Yeah, for I'm, sure. I'm just going to make sure I've, I've said everything that I want to be. Well, I've got some other notes. On on a side note, I quite like seeing sort of all my favourite Scandinavian actors in it and stuff. One side plot I, re- I, I did actually quite like was the, um, the, the never really went anywhere with it was the economic minister of iceland sort of sabotaging the boat yeah um I'll, i will come back to him in a little bit because he's going to feature in my quaskers oh is he yeah uh but, but no i did i did i did like those kind of um caricatures of of icelandic like, can, you know what can you believe it a film has been set in scandinavia and none of the scars guards uh, starred in it <laughs> can you actually believe it that's very rare isn't that it that is yeah. very rare oh actually big side note whilst we're on the uh, on the scandinavians my absolute Absolute favorite character, full stop, is uh, Yaya Ding Dong Man. <laughs> really angry. Play Yaya Ding Dong. Play Yaya Ding Dong. Play it. Play. Play Yaya, Play Yaya Ding Dong. <laughs> <laughs> it's great, isn't it? You know, I, as well. like the, the, again, they've absolutely nailed that like Euro trash that people in Europe just love, like, uh, like well, the kind of save all Yaya, your kisses for me type songs. <laughs> yeah, Yaya Ding Dong. I read was based on um, Dutch folk songs. That's that's sort ah. of its um, genre. I guess you'd say with all the the bells and stuff. My love for you grows wide and long. Yeah, yeah. Ding dong. Ding dong. (laughs) Yeah, it was. It's 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 quite interesting to think about the sort of rich history of folk music that Europe has. Yeah. On a on a side note, with with the actors, it's funny in a sense to see like such a mix of them because if you're doing a film in Iceland to the to the international market, you can probably just cast any Scandinavian actor. And the accent is close enough yeah, to the untrained ear. Yeah, almost indistinguishable, yeah. Yeah, to the untrained ear, they wouldn't know. Like, I saw quite a lot of people in there that I knew were, like, from Denmark or Norway who, oh, I've, seen really? it, who I've seen in other productions in other who were in, just in, like, in, yeah, in, I'll, I'll be Icelandic today. In your gritty Scandi dramas that you're ever yeah, so fond of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, shout out to Frontier if anyone's seen Frontier. Tom yeah. is such a, a middle-aged woman with a sky box. Uh, you, <laughs> <laughs> you, you love your, your, yeah, your gritty Scandi detective dramas don't you yeah i think i just think it's good watching god it's one of the most boring car journeys i've ever had full stop we were driving to go and see our dad and tom had on some scandy thriller novel oh see this is a weird thing one of my pet hobbies is to read icelandic literature and what (laughs) what i had on was um 
Arnaldo Indridason's uh, Reykjavik Night series, which is a, a set of detective novels based in Reykjavik. What was was one of the main? What was the main character called? Um, th- so there's um, there's Detective Erlendur, who's the main character. Yeah. And then there's Sigurdur Ole. Sigurdur Ole, <laughs> which is just one of the best names of all time, isn't it? Which is now our kind of uh, one of our <laughs> one of our nicknames for each other. We just call each other Sigurdur. Yeah, Ole. <laughs> I always have a joke and say I'm going to name my child something like just so Scandinavian that everyone else. He just wouldn't be, wouldn't feel at home unless he moved there. Yeah, <laughs> Some, something like Grimmjör or like um, Sigurd. Yeah, Grimmjör. Yeah, Grimmjör. Yeah, Grimmjör. Grimmjör. <laughs> you actually go out of your way to call him like Grimmjör Thomasson. Yeah, Thomasson. Thomasson. Grimmjör Thomasson. And it'd be hilarious. Yeah. On a side note, with the sort of um, Icelandic, you know, the details of the Icelandic stuff, I feel mm-hmm. like they did quite a good job with that actually. Um, yeah, I, if I was an Icelandic person, I wouldn't be angry at this representation of Iceland. No, it's, it's you know... It was nice. They just went with the facts, <laughs> didn't they? It's a, yeah. sm- it's a small country. It's naturally quite beautiful. Yeah, and that um, the, the weird relationship that Icelandic people have with uh, folklore and tradition folklore and still themselves. being a very modern and economic powerhouse. Yeah, because I, I looked this up after I'd watched the film, uh, the, the whole elves thing, and it is actually true that half of... Half of all Icelanders do actually still believe in elves. <laughs> like that's really weird, isn't it? Yeah. That you know, um, on that style of comedy, that's one thing I do really like about Will Ferrell, and it it's been in some of his other comedies where it goes from like naught to a hundred or changes direction really <laughs> <Yes>. quickly. <laughs> Brick killed a guy. Yeah, yeah. or like in, it happens in the other guys where. Samuel L. Jackson and The Rock are like the two main characters for about the first 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then they just jump off a building and die. And, die. <laughs> and then it turns out to be Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. No, then- yeah. A, a moment that did get a real genuine laugh out of me is when the uh, the Icelandic banker is just suddenly stabbed. And it, you just look back up to the elves' little house in the rock and the door just slams <laughs> yeah. before you see anything. That was really funny. That yeah. was very funny. Or actually. like when like they're just sat in the bay in Reykjavik and they're looking at the people on the boat and then the boat just blows up. I thought that was quite funny. Oh, I learnt this uh, little bit of terminology from the Omcast, uh, friends of the show, the Omcast. Do you know Mm -hmm. what that's called in the industry? What? A boat explosion. Oh, is it? Why why is that? Well, it's a boat explosion, isn't it? Apparently it's it's enough of a trope now in films that an explosion on a boat is called a boat explosion. A boat explosion, yeah. (laughs)
Uh, should we move on to the Corsicas? Why not? Why not? Okay. It's time for the Corsicas. Who's the best and who's the worst? The Academy don't know shit. We shall So I think it's no secret who my best in film is going to be. Mine's going to go to Dan Stevens. Yeah, I mean, he was quite good, actually. He did sort of embody what I, I thought, I don't know. This that kind of Russian intensity. It's going out on a limb here, but what, yeah, what you'd call like Russian fake masculinity as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, I guess as well. And I did like what they did with his character as well. And it, kind of the, the vague commentary towards Russia's um, homophobic At the policies. end it was funny, um, wasn't he? Where he was like, you sure you're not gay, Lemtov? He's like, no, no gay man has ever existed in Russia. It's no, not, no, no gay man in Russia. Sure it's not just not possible. Uh, statistically not, speaking, that's... that's there's got to be no, some no. gays of it. No, not the one, I told you, <laughs> 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 and then yeah by the end of the film it's quite heavily implied that he is in fact so gay, gay. <laughs> yeah. yeah and yeah Dan Stevens is such a versatile actor uh, yeah actually I was very surprised with him I love I love him so much I mean I, I first knew of him like all kind of white white teenage girls do through Downton Abbey yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Matthew Crawley. And he left the show very suddenly. Um, no spoilers for anybody who is currently watching Downton Abbey. But well, that was it was ob- about five years ago, so get with it. Come on. <laughs> yeah, there should be some kind of time limit on spoilers, shouldn't yeah. there? But yeah, no, he left the show very suddenly, obviously, to pursue his like Hollywood career. And you know, since then, we've mentioned before him in Beauty and the Beast, in which his acting, I thought, was pretty spot on. Sing- yeah. Singing, maybe not. Singing, but, terrible. Acting, uh, good. Yeah, acting, good. And uh, Legion, if you've ever seen Legion... I haven't. No, it's 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 um a Marvel TV series, but it could kind of almost be like standalone. There's not much interlinking with any any anything else in Marvel, but it's isn't Legion one of those from the X Men? Yes, one of the X an X Men. Yeah, it's, it's it's the X Men MCU as opposed to the kind of the wider MCU. Right, um, but it's it's very psychedelic and um vintagey 60s ish and oh, right. um it, it uh, a large proportion of it takes place within um an institution and um oh, that's good and his without giving away too much legion is his powers are mostly in kind of mind manipulation and he can create mm. um fantasies and such yes and yeah. that that then leads to him i sort of remember him from some of the x-men comics legion yeah but well, yeah, i haven't that, seen the tv show it's, it's brilliant it's it's up there it's like one of my favorite marvel things ever and not many people have seen it because i think it was only a sky atlantic exclusive maybe Possibly, I can't mm. remember. But no, I, I love that Every, everything that Dan Stevens is in. I think, what's he going to pull out of the bag this time? And this was again a, a, um, a role that he hadn't really done, and uh, it was such a joy for him to watch because it was obviously a role that he had a lot of fun with. Yeah, <laughs> and it was great. Loved it. Like even like went um, down to the like, oh, I love Greek statues. Oh, aren't they wonderful? It's like, they just look it's, like you with it's massive like this, dicks. This Greek statue has massive penis. It's like it's how all Greeks make statues. That's how they all work. Oh. Oh, do, like, do they? I hadn't noticed. Oh. Uh, these, uh, you know, these old statues look like you. And he's like, you think so? Oh, yeah. You're very handsome, aren't they? Oh, also, this kind of gets on my nerves a little bit. I've just remembered this, actually. Where, um, and this obviously shows that an American has film 
filmed this. I hate that Dan Stevens' character's house yeah. in Edinburgh is right in the middle of Edinburgh and based on kind of like what they see on the skyline. Yeah. It would make it seem like because I know Edinburgh quite well, it would make it seem like his house is his house is on Arthur's seat. Yeah, it yeah, it would be like <laughs> having Holyrood Palace as your house, wouldn't yeah, it? It kind of is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, no, not even a Russian oligarch could could yeah, live exactly. there. No. It must be like, I don't know, yeah, like twenty million pounds for an apartment oh, in a that, place like that. That always pisses me off. But anyway, yeah, no, that that's uh, that's my best in film, Dan Stevens. What about you? God, but, well, the thing is, Will Ferrell is just super enjoyable. The fa- I think the fact that he's the creative force behind these types of films, it's like you watch it sort of because you you know you either enjoy his brand of comedy or you don't, and you watch it for that really. Mm, so yeah, he he always for me unanimously and magnanimously steals the show. It's kind of it's kind of interesting thinking that like Will Ferrell and that kind of his comedy troupe of people have been the people that have defined comedy for the past ten to like twenty years. Yeah, it's it's a weird sen- a weird thing because a lot of the American comedy films of those group of guys, it's like Will Ferrell, Owen Wilson, Ben Stiller, mm-hmm. and like those guys. And the Napoleon Dynamite guy, they, what's they, he called? They really, they really can be hit and miss. Yeah, I mean, literally, like five pounds to any man, any five pounds to any straight white man out there who has not at one point in his life said the phrase "Anchorman" is such a classic film. <laughs> <laughs> but Anchorman is great, though. Uh, for, you know, for a long <laughs> you time, you are a smelly pirate hooker. It's just, it's so good. <laughs> for the, you know, for the longest time, it, it took me a long while to get around to Anchorman, simply because it. Just just seemed to be everybody's favorite film for so long and i was like oh god really is is this just totally overblown i mean i i still i do like anchorman but i don't give it the kind of reverence that other people seem to i mean and and that style of comedy as a whole is something that I, i'm not really a massive fan of mm. have you ever seen Step Brothers? Uh, I, yes. I think that's the crowning uh, turd in the Will Ferrell pile, really. <laughs> I think that's the worst one. My personal favourite is um, Blades of Glory. I think yeah, my, I think funny. mine is also Blades of Glory, yeah. Yeah, just because of the sort of like rock and roll star. Rock no and roll one, star one knows character. what it means, but it's provocative. I know. What if it gets the people going? <laughs> I know, yeah. There's, there's, a lo- there, there's a, just a lot of quotable lines in it, really. Or even, yeah, just, yeah. Um, it's it's just that style of comedy and and it yeah it, it just it just does seem to be like the staple of comedy are those types of films now yeah yeah well, f- f- well I, I kind of feel like they're on their way out like they've had their their heyday those american type films mm, yeah i do uh, yeah i do kind of see that cuz they're slowing down they're not working as much like ben stiller and those guys now are they no that is true and yeah and we've seen this with space force and steve carell yeah. I, I think the market is is uh, just oversaturated now with comedy films and TV shows like that in that style. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I mean, it's partly like one of the reasons why absurdist comedy and kind of um I get much more of a comedy. laugh out of, yeah, very dry absurdist comedy. Yeah, yeah, dry, yeah things like the IT crowd and um, the Inbetweeners and that, they kind of had a, a, an insurgence. Oh, I consider them lowbrow. I mean more things like the Mighty Boosh and like Python, you know, That's the weird true. stuff. That's true. Yeah, I mean, the Mighty Boosh specifically was, uh, they've, they've said that that was meant to be the absolute antithesis to like The Office. And it, yeah, you can see that they're very, very different styles of comedy. And you know, the Mighty Boosh is just fucking incredible. has a has a very special place in my heart. It's, it's aged quite well, I think, isn't it? Yeah. I well, you you say that, but it has since been taken off Netflix, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's 
Yeah. Yeah, there's controversy black about faces, about this yeah. decision. About, Blackface yeah. will just get you blacklisted, won't it? Yeah, I think it, that was the the character of the spirit of jazz that people took particular. I don't know. I think the spirit of jazz was meant to be like a, a voodoo spirit. So he's not. It's not even like he's human. He's. he's I, know, I know. Yeah. He's, he looks like a a New Orleans illustration of a voodoo spirit. It's not even like you can say he's a human. Yeah, I know. I know. Or possibly even Lester Concrete. I think it was probably Lester. Do you Corn think Crake. it was Lester Concrete? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Ooh. But yeah, you know, there we go. There's there's one <laughs> there from Netflix that's been removed, which I was like, fair play to them for removing it because I thought it was distasteful at the time, and that was Little Britain. I, Little, Little Britain, Britain come fly with me. Yeah, I, yeah, they always made me cringe. I thought they were a bit stupid, to be honest. Yeah, I never really liked Little Britain so much, but that but the appeal then in the early noughties was this like kind of catchphrase comedy wasn't it catchphrase it's so dumb it's so lazy catchphrase comedy i hate it yeah because it's like let's make a character give them a catchphrase and then just put them in different situations and then everyone will just go he said it oh the catchphrase oh my god although funnily enough um <laughs> thomas will chip in when he knows what story i'm talking about but uh tom used to buy quite a few of his guitars from this bloke in uh, Warwick. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, sometimes when you just do hear a line out of the context of that show, you can't help but just start pissing yourself. And he lived above the shop. And, yes. And he was calling up to his wife to to try and find some kind of thing or whatever that Tom had yeah, asked for through the glass door that separated the shop from the house part. Yeah. yeah. And he just <laughs> he just went Maggie, Maggie. <laughs> and then that, of course, moment of silence, and then. Yes. yes. <laughs> He's like, have we got any more guitars of this variety? I don't know. No, it I was. Don't think I, so. ki- I shit you not. It well, was like exactly a, like that. A wasn't word it? for word reenactment. And one of yeah. our one of our friends, George Persian, was with us, and he was pissing himself. Wasn't yeah, he? it was me and George. We just like kind of like we had to hang on to each other because we were laughing, crying so much. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. But I think, yeah, that sort of thing is lazy, where it's the same sort of thing every week. That's true, yeah. What do we think about worst in film? Maybe Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, my worst in film is also Pierce Brosnan. Gosh, the squabblings aren't squabbling this week, are we? Well, I think I'll (laughs) dislike him for different reasons than you. Yeah. I, I just feel like Pierce Brosnan doesn't fit the sort of estranged father angle very well. And he's far too yes. attractive yes, to be yeah. Will Ferrell's father. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, that was going to be one of the things I was going to point out as well. There is no way that that produced that. Yeah. No, I know, yeah. <laughs> he makes a very good... Belie- I think with a beard on, though, he does make a sort of good, believable... He makes a convincing Scandi. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's a role that, that that's visually, casting-wise, would have suited him. I just... Oh, my God. It's just, the accent and the delivery of his lines just got on my nerves so much. Yeah, it was his accent that... Well, why didn't you tell me? Yeah, he's <laughs> like, turn it off, I don't want to see this. Yeah. And that kind of vitriolic hatred of his son, just kind of, yeah, like, like the unnecessary hatred. Yeah. Like, it's like, when's your son on? How should I know? I don't give a shit. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that was just maybe a bit of lazy writing and a little bit of a lazy character that was written for him, possibly. I think a lot of Will Ferrell's comedies, or like American comedies like that, that he's been involved with, have always centred around like, idiot son is not loved by dad yeah <laughs> that's it's, it's such a common trope now isn't it and yeah it's, it's something i'm a bit bored of really would have been more fun if like his father was like 100 percent behind this eurovision thing and was like almost pressuring him into success maybe 
Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because well, like your yeah. mother loved Eurovision, so therefore you have to be you a Eurovision to watch it every success. Year. Yeah. yeah, that would have been an interesting character rather than like I hate you. You are such a loser. <laughs> you know what's interesting? As time goes on, I wonder how many films they'll continue to make about eras like the sixties and seventies. Because obviously, as the time moves on, the the believability of the actors starring in it being sort of around in those times starts to diminish because yeah. if you notice at the beginning of the film it says um it pans to a shot of will ferrell's mother or like her her little plaque and it says not like 1948 to 1973 mm. which makes her 20 um like four or five when she died 48 to 70 48 to 73 30 something no, it doesn't even make her 30-something. To 73, it makes her... Um, I, I can't do math. It makes her 25. 25, right? okay. So that you. means, let's say Will Ferrell was like five years old at the beginning of the film. <laughs> yeah. It means like they had him when he was like 20 or 19. And then like fast forward to nineteen to 2020 from 1973, that's 47 years. So he's got to be like 52 50 something. or something. And it's like, what the fuck? Um, yeah. No. no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, what do we think about best supporting? Uh, best supporting. We're kind of limited for supporting roles, aren't we? Yeah, because you, it, it's in that very, um, very uh, cookie cutter Will Ferrell style. You either get a lot of a character or not much at all. Mm, I thought maybe as an ensemble cast, uh, the Icelandic. Uh, administration or you know um government were quite funny mm, yeah um especially the minister that essentially uh, that eventually goes awol and then says we can't afford to host eurovision if it comes here we're still recovering from the economic disaster we yeah. started or you know, actually special shout out to just angry yaya ding dong guy he's, yeah. he's hilarious it might, i might have to look up what the name of uh, angry yaya ding dong guy was because he had a very very small part but my <laughs> god i loved him so much great delivery wasn't it yeah. get yeah. back in there Play ya ya ding dong. No, we've already played it once. You play it again. All right, fine. Yeah. They're gonna play ya ya ding dong. Yeah. Or that bit where Will Ferrell, because he's like a parking attendant at the start of the film, he gives him a ticket. He's like, I'm not paying this ticket. And then he speeds off, and he's like, I know where you live. There's like two thousand people in this town. <laughs> <laughs> is our best point gonna be ya ya ding dong, man? I, I think, think mine it, might be. I think it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, why not? Yeah. There's no star that shined quite as bright oh, actually, as the Yaya no, Ding Dong guy. <laughs> special shout out to the other one. Nobody sort of in, in, embodies the sort of musical production style of Eurovision than the, the K-pop guy who's like, yeah, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. fresh, cause it's, it's fresh, dude. It's like it's yeah. all about the fresh, cause. Thought that was really funny as well. <laughs> yeah, but again, I think I got a little bit. No, I just got not enough of him. Yeah. In a nutshell, a lot of the jokes in this were very intelligent and on point with their observation, mm -hmm. but just either too subtle or... Weren't kind... taken to the enough of yeah. an extreme. Yeah. yeah. And just sort of weren't that funny then. Yeah. I mean, in, in execution, it kind of f fell short a little bit, but yeah. as an idea, it was a really good film and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it, and it, this film is made for the Eurovision nerds. In a sense, but but as, as you say, if it's released to an American audience, how many of them watch Eurovision every well, year? Yeah, well, that that's it. I imagine um, two Americans reviewing this film would be like, what the hell was this? It was like referencing things left, right and centre that I didn't understand. So therefore, like, I just didn't get the humour. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I wonder how long it will be, actually, before the USA get an honorary um, status in Yeah, well, the Eurovision. Aussies are in, so, you know, if they just complain 
train for long enough and hard enough, I'm sure they'll get in they, eventually. They make that excuse for all the people that have been brought into it, haven't they? That the Israelis are, um, eth- are ethnically yeah. European, so yeah. we've let them join in. Um, and the Aussies are obviously ethnically Euro- them, yeah. European for, through migration. But by the same argument... Um, well, the Americans are obviously, mm. and I the Canadians. The, the, I think the deal that they struck with Australia, though, is if Australia were to win, then they would um, donate the, the the host to another European nation. It wouldn't oh. be hosted in Australia. Smart, smart, really. <laughs> Remember uh, a couple of years ago when the Aussies were, were first at Eurovision? Because another common thing with Eurovision is people flood the stage or flash or do stupid stuff. Yeah. Um. And the first year Australia was was um was was performing, an Auss- <laughs> an Aussie man, a spectator, climbed onto stage while someone was performing and mooned everybody. And it was like, and it, it was like a live, it's a live TV event. Uh, yeah. and Millions of European people saw just this saw Aussie this guy's Australian's ass. ass. And one of the best tweets at this at, 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 when that came out is just it was just a screen grab of that moon. This event. is why like, we didn't invite yeah, you before. Yeah, Australia. This is why we didn't invite you before. <laughs> <laughs> so that rounds off our review of Eurovision, the saga of uh, the saga of Fire Saga. Fire there we go. Sa- yeah, Eurovision, <laughs> the story of Fire Saga. The story of Fire Saga. Yeah, a decent little film. Uh, if you have a spare evening and you're trawling through Netflix for something to look for. Yeah, not mm. bad. Also, it's a nice little sort of t- tourist ad campaign for Iceland, isn't it? Cause it kind of is, if yeah. You've, if, you've been, if you've been there, I went recently in 2018, you notice um, a lot of the things they film, they're meant to just be sort of in bum, bumfuck nowhere in Iceland, like local areas, but they're like the most famous areas of Iceland. Well, Husavik is a real place, isn't it? Yeah, it's a very small town, um, by our standards anyway, in the north of Iceland, which is famous for whale watching. Which is why they have those beautiful humpback whales that just like pirouetted out of the harbour. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Anyway, so if you want to find us, you can get us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter under the handle Squabblings. And if they want to email us, Tom, for any future recommendations for the show, where can they find us? I would say potter on over to squabblingspodcast at gmail.com. That's very convenient because that's our email address. Is it? <laughs> I didn't know. I just I just made that up. The the elves were the elves, the elves were transmitting to me. I just Yeah. Actually, yeah, <laughs> l- one last note. That was funny that they used Icelandic folk music. Yeah, and in- if you haven't picked that up, uh one of our jingles, uh Tom actually nabbed straight from that Icelandic hymn. <laughs> Yes, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I was watching this film, and they had that kind of music playing in the background, and I had to pause like, it Tom, and find that's Tom. That and said, Tom, that's that hymn you always play. that's our jingle. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I nabbed it from an Icelandic hymn that I know. <laughs> just, just, just for reference, everybody, it's a hymn called "Hey uh, Hymna Smidu," which is which is Icelandic for "Smith of the Heavens," which was written in the 11th century. So I just thought I need something <laughs> very medieval. It, there is a sort of uh, a good, a decent sense of Icelandic humour as well that is kind of similar to British humour. Like I don't, I don't know if you've heard this before, but the um, uh, the the earliest runes, Icelandic runes ever found, right, were on uh, the the roof of a, about a twenty foot tall cave in Iceland, oh, right. and they got up there and translated the runes. And do you want to guess what the rune said? Is is it a joke of some sort? It said, "This is very high up." <laughs> yeah. So anyway, on that little joke, it's we like will... it's like actually sorry, yeah. It's like the um the first ever joke ever I think they found was on Egypt it was an Egyptian stone tablet and it was a dead baby joke, you know. No. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh. Like the, the earliest joke ever written. It just showed Egyptian edge lords. <laughs> yeah, it just, just shows you folks, doesn't it? The old jokes are the best. Oh my god. And on that note, <laughs> on that note. let's sign off. <laughs> Goodbye, Bye. ladies and gentlemen. Goodbye.